John 10, verse 10 is where we're going to start. So today, I'm not going to keep you a long time, but I feel like God's been laying laying this on my heart a lot, and it's going to kind of tie in with last week, um, with last week's message. So if you didn't hear last week's message, you can go back and listen to it. It's on the it's on the podcast. But today I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about stewardship. I'm going to talk about stewardship, and we're going to talk about living my best life. Hashtag living my best life. Have y'all seen that before? So let's start out by talking about living your best life. Are you? Really, if I ask you to think about your life, think about what you do, on a daily, a weekly basis, are you living your best life? You consider it to be the best life that you could be living. Start thinking about that. We're going to talk about it for a few minutes. Look at John 10.10. 10. The thief, the thief he's talking about here is the law. The way that we tried to make it to God, to have a relationship with God before Jesus. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now here's why Jesus came. Jesus is telling us this. He's about to tell us why he came. I am come that they, you know who they is? You, me, us. We are they. I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly or to the full. Jesus said, I came so that they can have life. I came to restore their life. I came so that they could have the best life. That they could have life and have it more abundantly. Life to the full. That they could enjoy their life and that they could have purpose and meaning. And and not just live and die. But that they could really live. That they could get the most out of life. That's what Jesus came for. That we could have life and have it to the full. He wants you to enjoy your life. To be fulfilled and to have purpose and meaning. And to connect with people. To learn how to give like he did. I was thinking about, um, you know, we talk a lot about relationships. And how God created us as community beings. And we're supposed to be in relationship with God, but we have to be in relationship with each other too. It doesn't work. You, you can't just be in relationship with God and not be in relationship with people. You can't just be in relationship with people and not be in relationship with God if you want to live your best life. If you want to live life to the full, you got to figure out how to do relationship with people and God. Now, I was thinking about the human connection and just how important it is to God. You remember in the Garden of Eden when God looked at Adam and said, it's not good that man should dwell alone. He can't be alone. It's not a good thing. So he caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he reached inside of Adam and he pulled woman out of man. And then from then on, every man that's ever been born came out of a woman. And as I was thinking about that and just about how God created us for, with the need for connection, we know Jeremiah says that 
God knew us before he placed us in our mother's womb. He took us, he created us, he had a plan and a purpose for us, and he took us and he put us inside our mother's womb. Connected. Our mother was our life source. We were connected to her. We ate through the umbilical cord. That's how we lived. She could choose. She could choose to, if she did drugs, we were hooked on drugs. Right? If she, she could hurt us, she could be a great mother and carry us well, but we were connected. So God took us from being fully connected to him in heaven. And he placed us inside of a human. Fully connected and dependent on that human. Almost as if he was showing us how important it is to be connected. Human connection is so important to God. That he placed us inside of another human for the first nine months. kind of like he gave us training you know how like if you go to start a new job you'll be you'll get trained first before you're released God trained us how to be connected and then when we're born we felt the doctor grabs us out and he cuts that cord it's the first time we were separated we felt separation Jesus experienced that disconnect when he was hanging on the cross. Remember when he hung on the cross and he, he was rejected by the people closest to him and his disciples and his boys, they turned their back on him and, and he was hanging there on the cross and then finally, after he took all of our sin on him, every one of us, our sin was on him and then God even had to turn his back on Jesus. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was one of the only times in Scripture that Jesus used the word God. That means deity or a far away. Usually Jesus called him Father or Dad, Abba, is what Jesus would call God. And that time he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt that disconnect. And then what did he do? Came back and reconnected. Why? Because what is connection without choice? He gives us choice so that we can choose to connect. It's the same as love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Um, love is a choice. You choose to love. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Song. Squirrel. <clears throat> you choose to love. The same way you choose to connect. If you choose to love somebody that doesn't love you back, you can go to jail for that. That's not love. We have to choose to connect. Jesus chose to connect. He came back and connected with the disciples. We looked at it a few weeks ago. He came back just for Thomas. Just to reconnect with Thomas and say, hey, I know you don't believe. And you said you won't believe unless you see me. And you see the scars. So here's the scars. I came back just for you. I already came back for all of them. And I'm just coming back just for you. 
Because I want to connect with you, even though you don't believe in me. Jesus gave us an example that we need to choose to connect, even if we get hurt, even if they betray us. We got to forgive. We've got to connect. We've got to love if we want to look like Jesus, if we want to live our best life and not walk around with bitterness and unforgiveness. It's a choice. He wants you to enjoy life, to be fulfilled, to have purpose and meaning, to connect with people and learn how to give like he did. If you look at Jesus' life, he lived with an open hand. He gave his time. He gave everything he had for the good of humanity. He wants us to learn how to give like he did. So living my best life. Now usually when people put hashtag living my best life, it's a picture of like some toes in the sand and maybe a drink or Something like that. It's the greatest vacation that you got to go on this summer. And you say, yeah, living my best life. That's the post, right? That's not your best life. On a vacation, with a drink in your hand, and some ugly toes, you try to dress up a little bit. Everybody's toes are ugly. <laughs> and... Usually it's a picture or something of a vacation thrown up on social media, Facebook, Insta, or the gram for you old people. As I found out this week, an old person told me, an older person told me that the gram is what younger people say. And the younger people laughed at that and said that that's what the older people say. So whatever you want to call it, Instagram. <laughs> Snapchat, whatever. It's not your best life. It's a vacation from the life that you've created. Yeah, it's a vacation. I love vacations. It's fun to go get away and rest and relax and stuff. But the life that you live every day, the home that you come home to, the family, the people that you've surrounded yourself with, the church, the body, the community, the, the life that you have built, is you've created that. That should be your best life. Vacations are awesome, and I love them. But by the end of a vacation, I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready to get back home. I start getting ready to come home. It's not that I haven't gone on any good vacations, but I like my life. I like my people. I like my family. I like the environments that I've created. It's good for rest and fun, but it's not satisfying or fulfilling. My purpose isn't fulfilled laying on a beach. It's not satisfying to my soul. It is for rest and to refill, but I'm not walking out the call that God has on my life. So last week we talked about seizing the day. Seizing the moment. 
about making every day count and taking steps. About asking God, what are the next steps that I need to take? How is the I seize today? How do I seize this moment? How do I make today count? Because today is the only day you've got. You're not promised tomorrow. You can't go back to yesterday. So right now is the most important day you have. Seize the moment. A dynasty is what you can get. A legacy is what you can give. Are you building a dynasty or leaving a legacy? Your best life is a life of purpose, a life of generosity, according to Scripture, a life of service, a life of worship. If you're living your best life, you will be getting filled every day, day in and day out. You won't be desperate for a vacation. Oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I got to get on. I got to get a break. We think life happens to us. But really, life happens through us. So how do I live my best life? Learn to be a good steward of your time your talents, and your treasures. You learn to steward well. Make the most of every moment. Make the most of your time. Make the most of your money, your talents, your giftings, the things that, that God made you good at. Learn to be a good steward of whatever life gave you. We all have different things. Good things, bad things. Some of us have money. Some of us don't have money. Some of us have ailments. And some of us don't. And some of us have come from bad families. And some of us good families. And some of us are getting old. I had a birthday yesterday. And you all notice I tried to shave all the gray hair off the sides. Make the best of... Whatever life gave you, you can't change it. So are you being a good steward of what you have? Work what you got. Do you know you will not be held accountable for what you don't have? I talk to people sometimes that are so worried about how they don't have this or they don't have that or how can I do something big for God because I don't have the money or the education or the re- like I don't you're not going to be held accountable for what you don't have what are you doing with what you do have what's in your hand it can be said all different ways play the hand that you're dealt What do you have? So three things. Stewardship starts in your heart. Starts in your heart. Because you can act like you're going to be a good steward or make up, try to look like you're being a good steward of your time or of your money or of your giftings, your talents, whatever. But it's got to start in your heart for it to be real. Look at um, Proverbs 4, 23. 
keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If your heart is in the right place, it gets rid of the problems. We don't have to do this. Like We don't have to come in here and have church. We don't have to. Dylan doesn't have to play the guitar. I was just kidding. Hey, you do. No. We get to. Just that one difference. What if you feel like you have to? Well, then it becomes, oh, I got to go in there and do this. I have to practice this new song for the worship team or I get to. It makes a huge difference. What kid, say you got some little kids playing rec football, which kid do you think is going to be better or which kid would you want on your team? The kid that has to go to practice and has to be there playing ball or the kid that gets to? I want the kid that gets to. He's going to have a lot more passion. He's going to push a lot harder. He's going to do the extras because he gets to. It's not just something he has to do. If your heart's in the right place, then things work out a lot better. Stewardship starts in your heart. If your heart's in the right place and you have a heart of worship, a an open heart, a heart of generosity, a heart after God. It makes stewardship a whole lot easier. Number two, stewardship is for every season of life. There's no time like, yeah, I'm going to manage my time better later on, but right now I'm not. Or, you know, one day I'm going to give. One day I'm going to give to the church. One day I'm going to help somebody else. Or one day I'm going to, I'm going to be a good steward over the things that God's given me. One day. No. Stewardship is for every season much. If you're faithful, Scripture tells us if you're faithful in a little bit, then you'll be made steward over much. If you're faithful in what you have, then you will be given more. But don't put it off for some time later on down the road. Look what um, Jesus said in Luke 16. Wait a minute. Don't look what Jesus said in Luke 16. I'm not done here. We'll look at what Jesus said in Luke 16 here in a few minutes. We get to do this. If your heart's in the right place, stewardship flows natural. God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible tells us that. Why? Because their heart's in the right place. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 11 before we look at Luke. Trust me, it's better this way. Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, is writing this to us. 
You know, if we all want wisdom, if everybody is honest, if I asked you, do you want more wisdom, you would probably, or as you say, yeah, I want more wisdom. I want more wisdom. And I was looking at Solomon, and there were a few things we were going to look at today, and the message took a little different turn, but um, Solomon's the wisest man that we know of. And a lot of times I think we get confused because we think that wisdom is knowledge. That knowledge and wisdom are the same thing. But knowledge doesn't equal wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge that you have. You can add more and more and more knowledge, but that doesn't necessarily make you wise. You can have a whole bunch of knowledge. That's a lot of... A lot of kids graduate from college with a whole lot of knowledge, but I wouldn't say they're real wise. Some kids in college are wise. Danielle's very wise. <laughs> but knowledge doesn't equal wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge you have to your life. It's what James was talking about when he said... Uh, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Don't look at a mirror and forget what you look like. So the wisest man that ever lived wrote this down. This is a great couple of verses right here. You're going to like this. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Great. Then we can have soggy bread. This is a duck feeding verse. Just kidding. Thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they shall empty themselves upon the earth. And if there and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Thank you for that wise statement. If it's meant to be, it'll be. Verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. What? All right, when Solomon wrote this, he had built an amazing shipping enterprise, bringing things from all over the world back to Israel. That's why Solomon, you know, he built this temple that was so amazingly awesome that the Queen of Sheba came and when she looked at it, she passed out. It was so cool. Like, it was pretty impressive. Um, and so Solomon had plenty of money, he was wise. Um, and he built this empire of all this crazy stuff that he brought from all over the world back to Israel. What did they have to trade for all of this crazy stuff? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm about to tell you. Israel has always been an agricultural phenomenon. And at this time, they were really good at growing and they had lots of grain, wheat, 
bread. So Solomon would fill ships with grain and bread. And they would come back with spices, monkeys, peacocks, ivory, gold, all kind of stuff. So he would fill these ships with the grain, with the wheat, with the bread, and he would send them out into the ocean with a couple of his good men to go and trade for whatever awesome stuff they could come back with. They came back with pets and gold and ivory and all kind of stuff, and they would go all over the world and come back with these. There's stories of them bringing back all kinds of animals and, and crazy stuff. So he's talking about sowing and reaping, a principle we find all throughout the Scripture. Letting go of what you have so you can have more. Allah tells us the world of the generous gets larger and larger. I like how he said in the first verse, many days. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. It's not immediate. There's not an exact timeline on it. In three days and 13 hours, you will get a return on your investment. That's not what he said. After many days, it's not immediate. There's no genie. Poof, what do you need? There's not even a guarantee. When I give or when I let go of what I have in my hand, is there a guarantee that I'm going to get something better back? Nope. Is there a guarantee that I'm going to get anything back? Nope. Stuff can happen on the water. Like maybe a kraken or pirates or storms or sometimes the guys that he trusted to go make the trades steal the whole ship set themselves up somewhere there's no guarantee stuff happens sometimes life throws stuff at you it's a risk but just like giving just like serving just like putting yourself out there in a relationship. Just like forgiving somebody that hurt you or used you. Just like tithing. There's no guarantee when you risk the sea. Or cast your bread on the water. But there is a guarantee that if you don't risk. If you don't make a sacrifice. Your bread. Your grain. Or what you have is all you will ever have. Whatever you can hold on to, as tight as you can hold on to it, that's all you'll ever have if you don't take a risk. You don't risk the sea. Do not get a monkey. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. If you're not willing to sow, take a risk. Look at how the Message Bible words that. That same little passage that I just read you in the Message Bible. It says, be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. 
be a blessing to others. This could be your last night. He's saying, bless people. Don't just hoard it all up and save it up somewhere. Hide all your stuff or what you have. And, and it's not just money, your time. Don't give it away. Bless people. Be there for people. Serve somebody. Give to somebody. Because tonight might be your last night. It could be over. Tell them you love them. Forgive them. Bless them. When the clouds are full of water, it rains. And when the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. So he's saying, it's obvious. It's obvious, isn't it? I heard about this 90-year-old man that was... Uh, he was in World War II, and he was talking at, the, at a library. And so there was a bunch of kids there for, like, story time, and he was there talking to them, and then they were reading a book about World War II. And so one of the kids asked this 90-year-old man, how did you know when the war was over? He said, when they stopped shooting at me. Kind of obvious, isn't it? Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. He's saying be generous. Don't just keep what you have. Build something. Give it away. Live life with an open hand. Release what you're holding. I promise you God will fill your hand back up. If you got what it is that you're praying for, if you got everything you wanted, you'd never need faith. You'd never need relationship. You'd never have to trust. You know there will be no faith in heaven. You won't need it. So use it while you're here. Have a little faith. When you have faith in people, you can get hurt or burned. Yeah. That's okay. There will never be a right time to give, to sacrifice. Noah would have never built the ark if he was waiting on it to make sense. So the second one, stewardship is for every season. We already said that one when I started jumping ahead. Now we're going to look at what Jesus said in Luke 16. Jesus went on to make these comments. That's how I knew Jesus said this. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who would put you in charge of the whole store? The second, no worker can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and he'll love the second or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and the bank. Can't do it. Who will you serve? 
Stewardship is being faithful with what you have. Am I faithful with what I have? Third one, and we're done. Stewardship requires willingness. You have to want it. No one makes you give. No one makes you serve. Remember when Jesus said, if you want to be great in my dad's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. What? Ever heard a kid saying what they want to be when they grow up? They don't say that. When I grow up, I want to be a servant to everybody. I want to serve everybody when I grow up. No. Jesus said, if you want to be great in my Father's kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. Learn to serve everybody. Use your time, your talents, your money, the things that you're good at. Find a way and use it to serve somebody for the good of humanity. Use it to build somebody up. Use it to encourage somebody. What? That's how you steward your time well. Use it to serve. Use your time to make money. Use your money to serve. But nobody makes you give. Nobody makes you serve. Nobody makes you love. Nobody makes you forgive. You have to choose that. You have to choose to be a good steward even of your emotions. Don't bury your potential. Release it. Risk the ocean. Scripture tells us that he that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. When you look down at your hand and if you have a handful of corn, is it food or is it seed? Is it selfish and you're just going to eat everything you get? You're going to eat it then... You're just going to be surrounded by poop. But if you sow it, then you reap a harvest. Is it seed or food? Depends on what you do with it. Depends on whether you're selfish or generous. If you're willing to take a risk or not. Risk the ocean. So big. Live with an open hand. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I want to live a big life. I want to be a good steward over everything that ends up in my hand. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says um, that God will give you all that you need. And you will have enough left over to share with others. 
God gives you everything that you need and you'll have enough left to share with other people because that's how he designed it. For us to give to each other and it's part of, it's how we connect. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive and don't just think about money. Talk about your life, your time, your time's more valuable than money. Your time and serving and your talents and the things that you're good at and to give and you'll have all that you need and you'll have enough left to share with others but we got to learn how to let go of what's in our hand I asked the boy I sent Malachi a text and asked him to bring me a couple footballs and he brought me a lot of footballs <laughs> we may have a problem all right, I need somebody that can catch good. Oh, thank you for volunteering, Malachi. <laughs> All right, so we're just going to play a little football for a minute. All right, so if life throws you the ball, you catch it. Go ahead and throw it back. All right, so just for the illustration's sake, say there's a touchdown there right when you pass the tunnel there. So Wayne and Kelly are the, the goal line. When you go in between there, you get a touchdown. So go ahead and run a route. Touchdown. Okay. Life threw him a ball. Wait, just stay over there. Don't throw it back. I want you to just hold on to that. Hold on to that ball. Because you're not giving it. Because that was your ball. Quarterback threw it to you. You did the work, and you caught it, and you scored a touchdown. You're not letting go of that ball. Well, now life's going to throw you another ball. Oh, that one was a little harder to catch, but that one's your ball too. And you're saving up balls. And you're putting that one in your bank account. Even though there's a lot of fans around you, like the look on Journey's face says, I would love to have that touchdown ball. She's over there wanting that thing. And you, nope, you're keeping that ball. So then guess what? Life's going to throw you another ball. Oh, you dropped that one. But it's okay because you still got two balls. So even though um, that business went bankrupt, you still got your other businesses going, but you're keeping them all. You're not going to give any of them away. And so now here comes another ball that you've set yourself. Oh, you dropped that one. Oh, look out. Oh, that ball hit you in the head because you were looking at the other ball that you dropped and you were trying not to be depressed and in a bad place. And then you were looking down at that ball and another ball hit you in the head because you're still holding on to the other balls that life threw at you to start with. And then... You caught that ball, so now you got three in your hands and you got three on the floor and time runs out. And life's over. And you got hit upside the head pretty hard and you didn't give any balls to anybody else. And you scored a couple of touchdowns, but 
They didn't really benefit anybody but you. You didn't even give the ball back to the quarterback so he could throw another one because you wouldn't release what was in your hand. And every blessing that God gave you came to you and never went through you. God, you can go sit back down. You can just drop those. We'll pick them up in a minute. And every blessing that God sent to you, it stopped with you and you consumed it and you never let it go through you. You never let it bless somebody else. Do blessings flow to you or through you? Life happens. Life happens through us, not to us. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. So your best life is not the one that you're living now. It's the life that lives on after you. Who can you serve? Who can you give to? Who can you touch? Who? How can you walk in purpose? Do you steward well? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thanks for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us lessons, teaching us how to really be happy and and how to walk in all that you have for us. You remind us that it's a backwards kingdom. If we want to be great, then we need to get great at serving. And not just serve until greatness comes, but realize that the greatness is found in serving each other. God, we love you. Thanks for grace and mercy. Thank you for making a place for us and your family. In Jesus' name, amen.